everyone, it's Melissa. Welcome back to another episode of the Social Angle Podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. So this week's guest is Danny Rosen, who is the president of Brand Fuel Inc. He's also the co-founder of Band Together. He's also an executive board member at A Place at the Table. So Danny's just awesome. He's so sweet. We're talking about um, social media marketing for nonprofits and I think that Danny's going to provide a really cool perspective. We're talking about how social media marketing in conjunction with promo can really help nonprofits amplify their impact, um, spread awareness about their messaging, and also what are the best um, social media platforms to lead into for fundraising. So this is a really great episode. Let's get into it. Danny Rosen, welcome to the Social Angle Podcast. I'm glad you're here. here. Yes, we are talking social media marketing for nonprofits. So how you been, Danny? What's going on down in Raleigh? Oh my gosh, all of the things. Uh, Trying to manage my two teenage daughters with my wife as best we can during a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Trying to dig out of the claw out everything we're dealing with at at, uh, Brand Fuel from last year and heading in the right direction. Uh, I would say I'm I'm feeling pretty positive about most things right now. Yeah. Are you going stir crazy? Um, No. Uh, but I am a little homesick for some of the things that I think we talked about earlier, like live music. I'm I'm super homesick and for that and and getting together with my friends like you guys at industry shows and that mm-hmm. that connection. It is uh, homesick is the word I would use. Yeah, certainly events. Uh, you and I have been to concerts together. You know, those are things that you know we're missing tremendously in our lives. And you know, I, we're not alone. You know, I'm I'm sure a lot of people are going through it as well. Um, but today we are talking social media marketing for nonprofits. So for those who don't know you, why don't you tell a little bit about yourself and how you got into the promo space? Yeah, yeah. So I think I think sort of my claim to fame here is a bit why you guys maybe asked me is is my work with Brand Fuel and Band Together and, and the co-founder stories there that probably link up a bit with um, industry organizations that I've been a part of starting with great people like Promo Kitchen and Promo Cares and uh, Reciprocity Road. Uh, but just, I don't know, deep breath. I mean, I, I think all of the glorious insanity started with uh, me getting into a bunch of trouble when I was a kid, getting a lot of demerits in junior high school. So I was uh, punished with community service and I actually ended up falling in love with doing the service work and um, washing blackboards wasn't really for me. So I started fundraiser to work fundraisers to work off the demerits when I was younger. And, and the first thing we did, I think you'll find creative is uh, it was called a mismatch contest where my classmates, um, we had a, a really formal dress code at my school, but for one day, uh, they could come to school and mitch, mismatch clothing, and 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 that was provided that they donated to a cause. And the most mismatched winners won crazy prizes like uh, a single ice skate. Uh, we actually used the used Barry Manilow album from uh, Barry Manilow album from my attic. Um, funds were raised to uh, to buy disadvantaged children Christmas gifts, and the gifts were delivered in in ring and run fashion. You guys remember that, right? Uh, some ding dong ditch you heard oh. that oh ring and run okay ding dong ditch yes <laughs> yeah. so um so i spent my uh my 16 year old self was on christmas eve was leaving gifts with my friends like robert five ash my business partner at brand fuel we were leaving them on the doorsteps of those in need of a brighter christmas and and we'd ring the door hide behind bushes and we watch these families get these gifts and and, and have these just like monstrously wonderful smiles and and at 16 I, I found myself like crying behind those bushes you know realizing the power of doing something nice for strangers in need and 
those fundraising stunts I was doing, um, you know, it was, you know, working off my demerits, but it, it was garnering the attention of, of other nonprofits in our community. And Operation Smile uh, was an international nonprofit, was just getting going. And um, they provide um, free surgery for children with, uh, with cleft lips and, and cleft palates around the world. And, and our group uh, at my school became the youth counterpart to them. And, and so now, 35 years later, there's 600 of those youth clubs globally working with Operation Smile, which is insane. Uh, so I think, you know, part of this is about, you know, thinking big and realizing that, you know, even at 16, I could positively impact the lives of kids around the world. You know, can you imagine um, being a scrub nurse in, in a Filipino or African operating room at that age? And so I think that's kind of the genesis of it. It, it changed sort of my course from being a demerit getting asshole you know, troublemaker to doing good in the world. Um, and then I went on to college, UNC Chapel Hill. My parents said, you know, you've got to pay for anything above room and board because of the added uh, out-of-state costs. And um, that was tough at the time. That really sucked, but it brought on some great life lessons. You said um, out-of-state. Where were you living? I was uh, Norfolk, Virginia. That's where I grew up. Okay. And so, uh, you know, to, to work that off, the, 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 I not work that off, but to raise the money to pay the, you know, the, the college expenses that my parents were covering. I, I was designing and selling Duke sucks t-shirts door to door and I don't know, running from campus police while trying to sell the shirts after and before the big games uh, on campus. And, and those shirts are now they're in UNC's digital archives museum, which, which gives me so much pride. Um, <laughs> and uh, I sold a lot of shirts on campus. I covered the college expenses Built a little sales force of my lacrosse friends. Uh, I was <laughs> navigating the the thrills and fun of uh, inventory and accounting and marketing. Uh, and they, they called me the doctor of cotton on campus. I love and it. I, yeah. And so I think that reputation connected me to students looking for fundraising opportunities through t-shirt sales. And after college, it was just a natural progression to work at the screen printing company, uh, you know, that I was working at getting these shirts printed and I'd ride my bike to work with my golden retriever and we smoked pot a lot and, and, uh, and we, you know, on the daily and I learned a lot about printing and culture and sales and marketing. But uh, the end of the story is that at the end, I, I, you know, my ambition got the best of me and, and I left that printer after eight years and I partnered with my best friend who was Robert Five Ash and we started something new. And that's when the profession really started, jump started and brand fuel was born and that friendship with Robert and, the kick-ass people that work at uh, Brand Fuel. It's just such a special company. I, the value set of giving back, you know, and having some fun along the way is, is really where I am. That's awesome. I feel like I met so many kids like you, an undergraduate at like the Fox School of Business who were doing the same, which they are making like shirts with like Temple's logo and stuff. Like, it's just, it's so nice to hear like just your path and everything, how it's, you know, like your values and principles are just infused in everything that you do. So that being said, like being somewhere for eight years, you know, I think people can sometimes get lulled by the comfort of a full-time job. Like what inspired you to take that leap, you know, and to go in with your partner to start Brand Fuel? Yeah, it's interesting. I think Brand Fuel and, and Band Together, there's some like common threads. We can talk about both, but I, but I think all of it's like creativity, Okay. Um, innovation, helping others, community building, and and the fun. I mean, I think that one's like probably most important to me. Um, you, know, you guys may have seen the PPAI keynote speaker, Roy Spence. 
uh, he said something that really sat with me. He said, um, we're having a fun crisis in business. And, and I just couldn't agree more. It's, it's like, it, it seems like when you bring fun into the equation, you can start to create the community, whether that's, you know, a brand fuel or a band together for profit or not for profit. And, and when you've done that, you're, you're often given the permission to sell to, you know, the community or ask them to donate to a cause. Okay. So being a part of leading those organizations like has filled my soul and, you know, it's just it, but the credit, everything I've got on my titles, it's all co this co-founder, co-founder, co-founder. It's, it's people like Robert, my staff and the, the volunteers that band together, all of those folks that my wife has given me the latitude to dream and put up with my bullshit, um, you know, to do this. I mean, all of that is literally to say like your dreams and your day job can and should coexist. That's awesome. Sound like a rebel rouser, Danny. Yeah. I like that. I like that term. Um, I do. It's not, it, it's, it's something that I can own now at the stage of my life, but when I was younger, uh, not so much. Yeah. Well, you know, I think we all went through it. It seems like, you know, you're still going through it. So good for you on that one. Thanks. So, uh, so you're a music, huge music fan. Like, of course, all three of us, we started this podcast like 45 minutes ago and we just started recording, <laughs> I don't know, 10 minutes ago. Cause we were talking about music. Um, and Band Together uses live music as a platform for social change. Can you tell us a little bit how, about how live music is a great intersection for nonprofits and social? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I mean, I'd start and say we're doing live and live live stream music these days, but uh, we hope to get back to it um, here this year. But I think it'd be insane for me not to mention uh, the Promo Cares movement a little bit in our industry, um, where we're finding sort of the intersection of product and purpose and you know, so anybody who wants to join sort of cause-related stuff, Band Together's a little bit infused in the industry, which we can talk about. But, you know, Roger, Mandy, Dave, Carrie, um, Denise, and Meg, just we're trying to put a brighter light on our industry with regards to social responsibility. And 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 also shout out to Reciprocity Road for making giving back a core tenant uh, organizationally, which I think is great. So all these things are sort of kind of come together, giving and, and business. But um, for band together, I, I I can't think of much, anything much better other than bringing your friends, your family together to bring, I don't know, build a better community, uh, at a concert, raising money for those in need, using marketing as the driver of all that. And so, you know, my core competencies are uh, marketing, philanthropy, building community. I mean, music. I guess the love of music, if that's a competency, being a jackass. I mean, I think that's kind of band together there's so much of that infused in there but um I, you know some differentiators for band together for people who don't know about it uh you know we choose a different nonprofit partner every single year after a rigorous vetting process we're constantly changing but we partner with them so we're not just raising money with uh, for them or raising money with them so there's a lot of learning and best practice sharing and we put on these large-scale concert events where we donate a million dollars each year to the cause and and um it's become the largest nonprofit live music event in the Southeast, possibly the longest running organizational thing like that in the country. Um, you know, we say we're the uh, organizational equi equivalent of a mullet, you know, we're business, business in front and party in back. And, uh, and we always say um, in tragedy, good things can happen. And so I, when I think about the promo industry being involved in the effort outside of our delightful 2020, um, we've had a lot of promo misfits, rabble rousers who come to Raleigh and engage for a long weekend for 
volunteerism, uh, marketing, and just, you know, having some fun and suppliers pitch in with giveaways and, and, and we sell gear uh, and, and the stuff that is interactive at the show. Um, and and uh, maybe just something else, I think, too, on the nonprofit side, and I think about the for-profit, nonprofit coming together, uh, companies are starting to realize that um, cute jingles and, and puppy dogs and ads, they just don't sell goods and services like they used to. Uh, <laughs> there's old ads, four out of five doctors recommend the cigarette brand, not so much, but... Um, <laughs> Consumers are expecting brands to be more human and more honest, and they, they, they want them to care about their employees and, and ensure a clean supply chain and a, you know, a better environment and support the communities that have supported them. So, so there's this opportunity for companies to align with nonprofits. And um, you know, thinking about um, Melissa, you and Roger talking on the Cause Marketing Podcast, which everybody has to listen to, was so good. Yeah. Really Roger's was great. Again. Thank you. Yeah, just so good. I mean, I, you know, the buy one, give ones or the percentages uh, that you can donate to a cause with the purchase of a hat, for example. Yeah. So I think when companies support causes, a lot of times, you know, they're just writing a check, uh, but at Band Together, we're creating opportunities to get their staff involved and invested. So that that's, you know, team building and volunteerism, employee perks, where you get concert tickets, maybe you get branded gear at all the shows, because, you know, putting a banner on the stage is like, passive marketing and and we do that but but the secret to success through sponsorship uh, is through brand experiences brand activation and that all takes the form of sampling and um, you know t-shirt cannons uh, <laughs> you know, printing on sighted events and these are the things that people remember and keep you yeah. know and they're associated with long after the band hits that final note on stage how many concerts do you guys have a year so we we have one major concert that's the main event uh, but we have multiple, like we have two to four mid-sized concerts, and then we have some intimate things that we'll do, like VIP stuff, uh, uh, maybe 10 events. So, yeah. Are you guys doing it this year? Are your plans still to do it? We are. We've got a, a date booked for downtown, the downtown amphitheater, Red Hat Amphitheater, on October 23rd. I can't tell you the band's name, but uh, but they're uh, I'll say they're an up-and-coming band, last four or five years, and they're so good. Um, so we're, we're looking at uh, backfilling with a couple other bands as well, but we've already locked it in uh, pandemic, uh, hoping that that's gone and we can sure. start doing some good with music and local local bands you're talking about. No, um, I interesting question. No, th these are internationally known bands. Oh, OK. Uh, headline. okay. Um, yeah. And so, we're, you know, five to seven thousand tickets. Um, but we do try and recognize, you know, honor and, and put uh, a local band on stage to open up for these big acts as well, which okay. is something I just love. May I ask, this is a kind of a little bit off topic, but how, like, are you somebody who's seeking them out or because of your mission and the way that you do things, people are coming to you to participate? Like, I'm curious what that booking process is like for who you pick to participate, uh, like bands and musicians wise. Yeah, it's a great question. And it's one that brings me a, a, a large amount of pain and stress. So thanks for asking it. <laughs> we, because we have events that are on Saturday nights, typically in the spring and now in the fall, um, they're coveted nights. And because the money stays in our community, um, unless the band really is connected to the cause or we've got a personal connection, we typically are paying the bands, which also we're like funding live musicians and that's really important, but um, we have to seek them out. It's a highly competitive um, environment. A lot of venues have disappeared during this time and Live Nation's sort of taken over. It's a bit mon monopolistic. 
Um, having that hook where the band calls us and says, we want to come and do this for free has not happened except for on a local level. Um, so the idea is like, it's a part of our model, pay the bands, you know, give them the stuff they say on, on stage. If they're willing to come early before the event or after the event and, and join us in the community and meet the people that you're trying to help serve or write a check back to us, which has happened a bit uh, and promote the music as well as the cause on, on their social channels. We do see some of that. That's cool. That's really awesome. And that actually segues perfectly into the next question that I wanted to ask you. So I love working with nonprofits on the side when it comes to social media, because I think it's an area that is incredibly important for them, especially because normally a lot of times is there's maybe a smaller staff or not enough resources or money allocated to social media marketing. So to me, I was looking at different stats, you know, uh, for questions that I wanted to ask you. And I found one where it was like 29% of donors prefer social media as like their preferred way of giving or providing a donation to a nonprofit. So why would you think um, it's important from your own personal and professional experience to have a solid social media marketing strategy? Yeah, great question. And I love that stat that, I mean, sounds kind of low at first and you're like, that's huge. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, th a third. That's big. I mean, wow, the power of social media. I mean, after a website, where, where do they go? Where does a donor go to see if a nonprofit's legit? I mean, they, they do a search. I mean, a, a solid social media presence creates validation, right? right. Um, I think some smart donors are peeling back the layers of nonprofits, looking at their 990s, their tax returns on uh, their, their programs like uh, GuideStar and Charity Navigator. But they're probably checking out social channels and I, you know, powerful storytelling, looking at follower numbers, engagement. I mean, all of that drives impressions and trust. And I mean, I, you think about it, you know, social media is fundraising currency. Yep. I mean, it's a legitimizer. And it, it's also important to really look at the engagement on social and, and also the power of promo. I mean, if you want to see real engagement for a nonprofit, you know, I dare you to dangle the sale of a meaningful design or a on a t-shirt or a hoodie uh, to prospective donors and, and don't just sell it to them. You know, share that purchase of the shirt or hoodie to show that uh, that purchase will give a certain number of people access to fresh water or provide homeless puppy dogs and kitty cats a place to live. That's the stuff of industry legend. I mean, that's the crossroads of marketing and helping others. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so can you talk a little bit about what you think are the, uh, the ingredients of a great promotional campaign for a nonprofit? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, you know, I would answer this for-profit or non-for-profit. I'd say the main ingredient is tracking ROI, something our industry is, is, has a, struggles with. But I think with digital mediums, and connecting with physical, what we sell, and, and what I call digital marketing, I think you can start to do that more. But for far too long, nonprofits have been scrutinized by donors who um, who are calling marketing overhead, uh, which which you know actually makes me a little bit sick to my stomach because I think a little bit differently about it. But I think we can change that type of mentality through education, and it starts with showing the value of marketing. Um, I'll, I'll give you a good example. Uh, I was thinking about all the things in our industry that happened, but you know, they're, they're two friends of mine. You guys may know them. They're also on the board of Promo Cares, Mandy Rudd and, and Dave Schultz, um, just two generous spirits. Um, they are a part of a children's hospital fundraiser in Kansas City, and the, and the fundraiser is called uh, The Big Slick. And each year, 
a really well-known Kansas City-based artist designs a, a collector-style T-shirt, and um, each shirt is sold for $100. So it's kind of an expensive shirt, but 100% of the net proceeds goes to the kids' hospital. And so then they put the ceiling on the number of T-shirts that they print at 1,000. So they build in, you know, promo FOMO with that, right? Um, and, you know, buying and wearing one of those 1,000 you know, limited edition, um, $100 designer t-shirt uh, probably delivers a lot of satisfaction and pride for the owner. And, and I'm not a math major, but just kind of thinking that through, that's probably 75,000 to the nonprofit after expenses, uh, which helps a certain number of kids, um, which is really what we're trying to get after again, impact. Right, um, sure. So, you know, you can look at the ROI equation. You can say they spent $25,000 on the t-shirts brought in 75 grand in, in, in net income, helped 100 kids, 200% ROI. And that's a marketing investment that I think donors can get behind. Um, I also think another ingredient is, um, is how you make people feel. You know, and if you can create an emotional connection and open up hearts, um, you achieve what I call ROE, which is return on emotion. And, um, you know, I think, we've got to educate our nonprofit clients on all of this. If you look up uh, my favorite Ted talk, um, it's Dan Pelota. He presents this argument that uh, marketing is not overhead. If it's an investment that delivers more funds, so nonprofits can spend their time on services and not on the hard work and the starvation cycle of, of fundraising. Right. Because I think a lot of nonprofits are, yeah, they're scraping pennies and they're looking at the cheapest way to get by and they've got to invest in themselves and their brands, yeah. which means an investment in quality merchandise, sustainable merchandise that's going to last, something that they're proud to wear and use. And so how do we help our nonprofit clients with, with that? Um, you know, the seven donor touch points annually, they've got to do the calls, the emails, the coffee. Merchandise has got to be one, at least one of those touch points. That helps tell the story, right? 100%. Do you think also as well, like for nonprofits that are trying to zero in on maybe the best social media platforms to use for fundraising, is there ones that you recommend or think uh, suit their strategy the best? Yeah. I, so I think if you're just talking about social media platforms, I probably don't have a, like a single answer. I think you go where your donors are. You've got to figure <laughs> that out. Uh, but also go where your volunteer, the stakeholders, the volunteers, the staff, the end recipients of the funds, you know, of your cause, where are they? Um, and so, yeah, obviously social media is a, a tremendously personal way to communicate, but um, I, we use a platform called Classy uh, and they, yes. make it, yeah, you know, Classy, it's great. So you know, they, they gamify fundraising. And so there's this interface that's beautiful. It snaps into social channels and individual fundraising strategy where you bring your, like your friends and your connections along for the ride for yeah. your cause. And uh, I serve on the board of a place at the table in downtown Raleigh. It's a pay what you can cafe. And, and uh, two months ago or so, we raised $123,000 on that platform uh, doing fun things like burpees and biscuits uh, where, where friends get together and they donate money and then they can come and do burpees. And then we, we feed them with biscuits and then they get branded merch from, from the table. And you know, that kind of goes back to the Roy Spence. We're having a fun crisis in, in, in business comment earlier. Nonprofits have to invest in extraordinary experiences for, for donors that get people talking and sharing and posting on social. And, and ultimately, they're helping those in need. Um, 
you know, I don't know how long you guys want to go. I mean, I have a kind of an interesting example. If you want me to share it. If you you have time, we'd love to. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. I'll share this one that I just love. I I love telling the story. Um, I think the nonprofit is a, it's called fashion revolution. And, and they were um, placing vending machines in downtown areas and they were selling shirts and you didn't know what it was. It just said uh, t-shirts for $2 in a vending machine. And so the person would go up and they put their $2 in the vending machine for the shirt. And instead of the shirt coming out, an emotional video would pop up like this really visceral video you'd watch for a minute that educates the buyer on how the t-shirt was made, which was made by people who were not paid a fair wage and that the shirt was made in this horrible factory conditions. And and this is my favorite part Mm. of this is that the buyer at the end of this is the video is given a chance to keep the shirt or to donate the $2 to their nonprofit. And uh, of course, you know, most people donate the $2 that they invested in the nonprofit, which raises tons of money and awareness, probably lots of social media. That shit is magic. That's awesome. Very. What was it called again? Fashion Revolution. I gotta check that out. Yeah, check it out. I think it, I think it happened first in uh, Belgium. I don't know, it's a little while ago, but I just, I love the story behind it. Um, and there's a promotional product, of course. Yeah, we can use that and you know we put together um you know a story page for these podcasts and we can you know whatever we find on that we can certainly embed that in great all right so can you share a tip or two for nonprofits looking to tap into the power of social media you gave a kind of a couple earlier but are there any ones that you think people should take away from this episode yeah i have a lot i mean i'll talk from my experience at brand brand fuel we just so for a customer, uh, Operation Smile recently decided to invest in an online store program, which we donate a lot of stuff to that, obviously. But in it, um, there's a lot of products with like lifestyle shots and, you know, kids with the, you know, the um, cleft lips and, and just it's beautifully done. And, um, and but my favorite one is with the founder of Operation Smile, Dr. McGee, uh, who, who just loves like these crazy colorful socks. And, uh, and so we designed these socks with him in mind and it's actually him rocking them in the advertising and the lifestyle photography. And, and you know, they're called doc socks and, and they have become a top seller because of that personal connection. I don't know if there's something called influencer sock marketing, but, but there, there is should be. now. Yeah, there is now. <laughs> um, another one would be, uh, you know, pre-pandemic at Brand Fuel. Uh, we supported the Interfaith Food Shuttle's Backpack Buddies program, yes. and we did this event at uh, a new brewery, a trophy brewing company in downtown Raleigh, and, and we invited clients to what we call a, a brand good experience, doing good with your brand that included free beer and, and a race to see what teams could pack kids' backpacks with the food the fastest. And so everyone got participatory promo, but winners got high-end gear. We wrote a check. It was memorable, fun. Uh, and it was, it was super meaningful. So there are a couple, I probably have a band together one. If you want it, it's, it's more of a fail, but it's kind of fun. But if you'd know. like to share. Yeah, of course. We're all yeah. down for stories. Yeah. Yeah. I, this, this one's a little uncomfortable. I got the, um, I got the marketing fail award for this one that year, but, um, you c- cut this one out if you need to, but, um, <laughs> so I think it was the Delta Ray, uh, Lyle Lovett concert 
uh, at Coca Booth Amphitheater here in, in uh, Cary, North Carolina. And, um, and at the show, we were trying to really do um, communicate to fans who had bought tickets to see Lau Love and who didn't know anything about Band Together. So we have this kind of a, a warring thing where people come see the band, but they don't know anything about Band Together. They're just here for Band Together. They don't care about the band, like where we can bring them together is what, what works. So this idea I had was to give out branded pens um, with Band Together and the charity, which was, uh, let's see, your Tammy Lynn Center co-branded pens that went out to all the fans and we gave them a piece of paper with um, instructions on how to make a paper airplane and then information about the Tammy Lynn Center and the great work that they do. And there were some coupons on there. So we had some sponsorship stuff. And and we said at, at intermission between the shows, we're going to do this stunt. We want to see 5,000 people throw paper airplanes into the air and the directions were for them to take that pen and to write something powerfully positive you know something that happened to them that was you know really good and meaningful or write a note to a loved one that was no longer with them whatever it was share something good because there was a lot of stuff on the news at that time that was just really tragic and my and so I got on stage and I had the drummer from Delta Ray Mike's behind me and and he's going to do this countdown. And I was talking about, you know, let's put some positivity in the world. And then when you find these paper airplanes, you get to keep the pen, but find someone else's paper airplane, read it. And there's these like connection points along the way. And, um, and maybe take a picture and, and share on social, hashtag band together. And, um, and so I'm, I'm just telling this great story and I'm so excited about it. And, and Mike does the 10, 9, 8, whatever countdown and literally like five airplanes go into the sky <laughs> it was the worst oh, uh, oh the, no. the executive director matt strickland comes over to me and he just he just gives me this big hug and oh. I don't, I, yeah it was it was painful people were there just drinking and having fun nobody's listening to me but a for effort yeah a for effort man yeah, i mean yeah. look you put yourself out there <laughs> right. totally put yourself out there <laughs> free, free yeah. pens for everybody yeah <laughs> Free pens, man. All right, Danny, we have one last question. You know, again, we're back to the music. Um, you know, I, I figure we have to drop this one on you. Favorite band or musician of all time? Yeah, wow. Um, how, you know, we were talking before this. I have so many like wonderful live music stories, many, many of which took place with our pal Jake Karalik. Uh, but uh, to protect the innocent here, I won't <laughs> use any stories with Jake or any bands that I love, but, uh, you know, and you and I love our Avid brothers, Vinny, for sure, and they're up there, but all-time favorite is the Ramones. I've always said that life is is like a mosh pit uh, at a Ramones show, and, and it's where you get knocked down, and you got to get back up, and, and other people there oftentimes will help you and pick you up, and the mosh pit is where you find your true friends. You know, life Life constantly knocks you down, but you have to be resilient. Get back up and, and start dancing. And you got to surround yourself with good people who are positive and, and believe in you and, and will enjoy the ride with you. And I just think about the Ramones gutting it out and their, their shows that I went to as a kid. And, you know, just there's so many, so many good memories there that I think, you know, I carry with me and I'll never forget that. You got any scars? Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I can tell you about... I got kicked in the face at a Henry Rollins show. Uh, uh, I, I lost my watch at a Ramones concert one time. And at the end of the show, I waited around to see if I could find my watch on the ground. I found someone else's watch and I wore that for about a year. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I don't have any, uh, there are pictures out there of me that I think are the scars. Um, <laughs> 
Well, send some of those to us, and we'll put them on the uh, on the on the web page when we put it together. Yeah, I'll send you one. I will. I'll, there's one of me. I think Jake might have taken it um, in downtown Raleigh, where I had a hubcap and toilet paper tied around my my head to keep the sweat because I was sweating so much at the show dancing, and I was sleeping on the road, like cuddling with this hubcap and this toilet paper headband. Um, but it's a fond <laughs> one. One I want my kids to see one day for sure. Nice. Well. You guys know I love the Avid Brothers, but you know I have to look at my entire lifetime, and they've only occupied, I guess, the last seven years. So I have to go with the tried and true the Who. I'm a really? huge Who fan. Yeah. So oh my you know, God. wow. Me, they're just they're just my band. So um, what do Avid you love Brothers. About them? Like I want to know. For I'm a big Pete Townsend fan. Uh, okay. So I, I've read his his books. Um, you look like they, Pete Townsend a little, bud. All right, I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, totally. Um, but he's just creative genius. Um, you know, he's the brains behind Tommy. I mean, he's the brains behind all the the music. You know, and it's funny how the rest of that band kind of fit in around P. And if you ever like, you know, I could talk forever about this. Like, they, you know, all those guys brought something really magical to the table, but it was P was really the brains. Um, but I love the music. Um, you know, even after like. You know, Keith Moon died. Like Moon's you know, crying he, right now. What was that? And, uh, Keith Moon is crying that you said that about Pete, but it's gone. So, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, um, just so many great stories. Just you know, they occupy a place in my mind where growing up, you know, I used to hear, you know, in the '70s, I would hear it. You know, long vacation car drives, you know, places always hearing the Who and my mother playing the Who. It's just, Aww. yeah, they're they're certainly my band. I mean, look, I could say that about the Rolling Stones and, and the Beatles as well, but the Who, you know, certainly a step above all those classic rockers. So what about you, Melissa? So I love, like, firstly, that it's tied to so much nostalgia for both of you. I think that's so, like, so telling for music, but I have to say Florence and the Machine, mm. like Florence Welch, like, her voice, like I remember when Lungs came out and Dog Days are over and I was like, what is this with harps? Like, and why is it so good? And I'm definitely a part of that age where like, you know, a single is released, right? And it's very, it's not common for me that I'm gonna invest like 15 bucks in getting a whole album unless like I really, 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 really love an artist. So there's people who like, I will buy their whole catalog because I just love the way they sound. Her band is one of them, like seeing her solo, like just, and it's so good live. Like she did a live show for David Letterman. I'll have to send it to you guys in an email, but her voice, she just sounds like an angel. Like there's just no other like way to describe her, but it was like just as good live its own thing as it is on the album. And I would say probably like, it's a tie between like her and SZA. Like SZA is another one. Like Control is just like, oh, that's my album. Like, how, how many have you seen them live, Florence? So it was awful. Then I bought an expensive ass ticket to go see her at Wells Fargo in Philadelphia, and I was during grad school, and it was so balls to the wall with my time that like my phone's blown up with all these pictures of her, and I'm like, oh yeah, she's at Philly. Oh my god, I bought a ticket. And I forgot that I purchased it. So I didn't go. I was heartbroken, Whoa. heartbroken. But it was like, you know, finals. I was doing my caps. Did, right? I was like, no. Oh. I didn't mean to laugh. I didn't mean to laugh. I laughed after, but like after the tears dried, I was like, oh my God. Like I purchased no, it. Look, I have, a, <laughs> I have a, a similar story. I 
had I bought Radiohead tickets a couple of years ago and I forgot. And the concert came. I was like, I thought I bought tickets for that. And I had multiple email accounts and I, and I checked the one email account that I go into, no tickets. And I was like, maybe I didn't. And then I checked the other one after the concert. I was like, holy shit, they're my tickets. Right? Oh. Dan, look at Danny. I think he just got <laughs> that never That never has happened to me. I've seen I'll, it happen to others, but I'm, I just, yeah, I can't, I can't lose. I, I do, I, I've seen people forget, get to the event, forget their tickets or not their phone <laughs> or whatever, and, and they have to go and get them and come back late. I've seen stuff like that, but um, I, I, we had an interesting story here uh, today, actually, um, a, a customer contacted us and said, hey, I found this water bottle that has your name on it, uh, it says brand fuel, and on the other side it says find the poem in every moment, and, and my wife had it, and, and I broke it, and, um, and I'm wondering if you can, uh, if you have one I could buy from you or whatever, and, and, uh, and so I get this message, and I call him back, I'm like, hey, I'm the owner of the company, he's like, what, the owner of the company is calling me, and I was like, yeah, we have literally we had two bottles left. And, uh, and I said, what's your address? We'll send them. And, uh, you know, made his day, Valentine's moment. And I, and I share that story with you. Um, he was just like, I'm going on social. I just like, no, just, just take it, man. It's just great that we can help you out um, and do something nice for you and your family on, on Valentine's. But uh, I feel like when, when you guys forgot the tickets, uh, you could contact the band. Like someone has got a heart and, and says like, okay, we come to the next show on us. Like it happens, like yeah. do something good and kind with, I mean, bands are brands when you get down to it, right? And without totally. fans, you're nothing. And you guys are obviously great fans of those bands, Radio. I mean, your favorite band, you miss Florence. I know, I know. Next. crazy. <laughs> well, you um, look, once this pandemic's over, Florence is still around um, yeah. and they'll tour again. You know, unfortunately um, for me, I, I never saw the Who live. Um, I don't know if you ever seen saw Danny, um, but have you, you saw the Ramones uh, obviously multiple times live. So that's one experience I never got to to get, you know, in, in my life to see the Who live. But anyway, um, you know, we'll uh, you know live to we'll live another day. So well, it, well, Danny, thank you so much for taking the time today. <laughs> you know, we had a blast talking. You know, social media marketing, nonprofits, and music, and uh, you know we love to keep in touch and you know do this again are you kidding i love you guys um you know two social media mavens i mean <laughs> melissa i don't know where you came from i was watching vin for years but wow you came out of the woodwork and just um the only thing that i regret about this uh this session that we have believe it or not i have one regret because it's been completely enjoyable otherwise it's that this is going down when uh, we did promo chat at promo kitchen um right. i know like right. what were we thinking <laughs> Right. Yeah. I know. I was thinking about that today. Um, you know, it's like, oh, it's we've had a jam-packed day anyway. We, it feels like we've been on conference calls all day. Um, but yeah, I, I was like, oh, it's promo chat time. But you know, we'll get them next week, right? Right on. That's right on. Yeah. Well, thank you guys very much. Thank Absolutely. You. We appreciate you. Thanks for your time. That yeah, was fun. <laughs>